Well, hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. And so, ladies, we're recording this Sunday evening. It's a rather difficult Sunday evening. Mm. Not only do I have to be up at 3 a.m. for a 3.30 pickup for the airport, which is so kind of you to offer to drive me. I got you. If I'm not there by 3.30, just wait longer. I'll be yeah. there. Trust me. So very nice. I'm heading to the Latin American Amateur in the morning down in Panama. Very excited to cover that event once again. But before we get to the golf, let's just rip the Band-Aid, get this shit out of the way. <laughs> another year, another just absolute disaster for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I was so pumped. I was actually so confident going in. Everybody's like, are you nervous? I'm like, no, I think we're going to absolutely destroy these guys. Like, their defense sucks. Um, they're very inexperienced, and they just ran the ball down our throat. Once again, the defense couldn't stop anybody. I don't know what the hell happened since the start of the year. We, we had the best defense in the NFL, and then they just gave up a 1,000 points to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, God, dude. I don't know I don't know where you are mentally right now, so I don't know whether I just go in on you or if the wound is too fresh. It ended like 20 minutes ago, and if it's still hurting too bad, if I need to go easy. But God damn, dude. Uh, I'm with – like. I didn't ever thought the Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl this year. I didn't see that happening at home against the Packers. They've been monsters at home all year. Jordan Love looks like a goddamn, I mean, Hall of Famer at this point. Um, well, when no when no one's around your receivers within thirty yards of a receiver, that's it's valid. Helps there's, well. a, there's a few. There's a few there that you or I could have made, but uh, he looked good. And it started from the opening drive. I was just like, "Damn, that was easy." And they got ball, ball back. I was like. Damn, that was easy. And after, what is it, 21-0, I was like, this is a huge problem. I actually bet on the Cowboys. And um, so I'm a loser too. But uh, nothing worse when you get in a big situation and the and the D comes up soft. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so the soft D, we've all been there. No one likes it. And it's worse when it's on national TV. As a guy, Colt, who's had his team, the team that he bleeds for, the team that he dies for, embarrassed on national television, I can tell you it's not fun. However, I will say this. Would you have rather this, which was a pretty much a complete beatdown, and you knew probably from after the when they scored start of the second half that this was probably done, or would you rather have had it be close and Mike McCarthy ends up doing something stupid and you lose that way? I would like Whoa. Georgia game hurt, but I was like they're better. We suck. We're never going to beat that team. I would that would have hurt me if we'd have lost like a close one. Hurt me more. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would have liked to have had a chance. I mean, definitely coming down the stretch. I mean, that fucking getting blown out sucks. I mean, that thing was over in the first half, it felt like. I mean, we got lucky to score a touchdown there at the end of the first half. Should have called false start. We would have had to kick a field goal. But disaster, I, I would have to think they're going to move on from Mike McCarthy. He's, he's gone 12-5 and five, three seasons in a row, but just can't get it done in the playoffs. And then you got a fellow by the name of Bill Belichick just sitting out there wondering where he's going to go. Well, people are talking, like, if, if the Cowboys happen to lose, could he come here? And everybody's like, well, they're not going to lose. They're going to beat the Packers. They might lose to the Niners in the NFC Championship game. We'll throw that all out the window. I wouldn't be surprised to see in the morning if Jerry Jones decides to fire Mike McCarthy and Bill Belichick will be on the phone very quickly. I don't got a dog in the fight. I don't really care. I think it's time to be done. There's a difference between, like, what Belichick did in New England. They got, like, virtually – they have very little talent. Or Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. You know, they got some, but it's not great. And he's been, you know – awesome in years past but it's like dude this t- roster is like one of the most talented in the nfl and they do it during the regular season and then it gets to playoff time it's just the same shit every single year um i don't know how you do it it'd be tough but um i feel I mean, for you i could rub it in worse i'm not going to uh, because i've been there but it sucks it look, i know the feeling but you you die for your squad i respect it i don't i don't jump ship i'm a dallas no. cowboy fan always will be you know, I, w- I had very low expectations going into this year, and then they were looking pretty good. Dak had the, the best season of his career, and then he goes out, and he well, – the first interception could have called probably pass interference, defensive holding, whatever. The pick six was just disgusting. I'm like, what the hell was that? Like, that's – you're supposed to be an elite quarterback. That was horrendous. The guy was obviously right there, and he returned it to the house. And I mean, him and CD looked like they were arguing on the sidelines from the first possession. What on. was I'm that? Like, what was is there some behind-the-scenes shit going on? They just looked like pissed and not friends from the jump. I was like, dude, it's one series. Like, you know, shake it off. Yeah. It's still fine. It's 7-0. to zero. Like, go get them. Uh, they looked off from the jump. But I think that's the big question. I think McCarthy's gone. If I had to guess, I think McCarthy's gone. Uh, you can't have this much talent not produce. The big question is Dak for me. Like, is it time? Like, do you jump ship on him too? Do you reset the whole thing? There's a guy up in Denver, dog. You can get him at a bargain. We're nope. selling him at a discount. Nope. He can nope. come in there, and you can ride. You could ride with Russ. Uh, maybe slide us some 
you know, we'll take CD or whatever you want to package up in that deal. But uh, I think Dak's the big question. I have stood loyal to my boys, but if they do something stupid, like take on Russell Wilson instead of Dak, I'm out. No, I'm, uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying they won't do something stupid. I, I think you're safe to not have Russ be in the, in the greater Dallas area next year. Just, just yeah. a guess. Just a guess. But, hey, it sucks. There's only one team. That's what I was saying. We're setting up for a very emotional playoff here. A lot of high expectations. It's shit. I've been there. Um, but you don't jump ship. I respect it. I took all the, the grief and the shit for TCU this year, too. That's what, that's what real fans do. And you reload. Go get them, buddy. That's my pep talk for you. Better luck next year. We'll see what happens. Um, obviously, my phone's been going nuts all day. Twitter, all that's that. That's fun. That's fun. I'm, over. I'm like, Who's y'all's team? Leave me alone. Like, there's, go and, away. There's only one of y'all at the end of the year going to be happy. Listen, listen, especially these Charger fans that like to chirp me. I'm like, you guys suck. Y'all can't beat anybody. Don't even come chirping to me. At least we are in the we have a chance in the dance. Y'all got nothing. Yeah, they're kind of the same way. A lot of talent. Don't do anything with it. Um, but I will say this, we're moving though, on. Yeah. On another subject, my video is very clear here on the podcast tonight if you're watching on YouTube. And I just want to let you know I had to get a new iPad today because I was packing for Panama Went to pull out my iPad, download some shows, charge it up. Well, apparently, I left it on the airplane on the way home from El Paso over Christmas, so oh. I had to go out. And get, I had to go out, go out and get a freshie. Oh, okay, that's a nice yeah. little kick in the nuts. You're rubbing off on me, bud. You're <laughs> nice rubbing little, off on me. Yeah, dude, we gotta stop. We gotta stop going <laughs> in on me. I mean, I do some dumb shit. I own up to it all the time. But my iPad's been. I got like I think the first vintage of that boy. I thought you were gonna say it crashed on you. Um, it I'm, does. I'm show. shocked they didn't. Uh, no one sent it to you, dude. So they showed it's at Sky Harbor in Lost and Found, probably I'm guessing, but like I can't fly to Panama without an iPad. So And what do you do when you go into Lost and Found? I lost an iPad. Like, yeah, we have thirty two. Which one's yeah. yours? <laughs> it's the, the one, one. It's a screen. It's got a little <laughs> yeah. button on the bottom, dude. And the, the screensaver is just the generic one. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, just give me so, two of them actually. So that was neat. That was a fun purchase to make today. Right. But let's get to the golf. The Sony open. Um, an exciting finish. That golf course always seems to kind of produce that. Three-man playoff, Grayson Murray, Keegan Bradley, and Ben on. Grayson Murray just flipped the script in the playoff. Made an incredible birdie in regulation when he had to lay up, hit the stone, the wedge from 80 yards. Keegan Bradley failed to birdie the 18th, which, I mean, the two par fives out there, 9 and 18, are pretty gimmies. 9 is ridiculous. It's the easiest yeah. hole in the PGA Tour. I mean, I think it was averaging like 3.67 or something like that today. They went just, through Russell Henley's like last 15, I don't know what it was, 15 times playing it, and he hadn't made worse than birdie in the last like five years basically i mean it's 500 yards and with the wind direction the way it was it's straight down wind today i mean the guys are wedge in i've yeah. hit eight iron into that hole well, you, hit, um, you hit bombs dog so it's a pretty easy one but you got to take advantage of those par fives keegan bradley's gonna be kicking himself not burning it regulation obviously the playoff as well when he hit the perfect tee shot and had five wood in pulled it left didn't get up and down but i mean grayson murray looked like he was dead like this thing's about to be gifted to bend on this is why you don't quit so he hoops the 40 footer and then you watch Keegan Bradley miss, and then Ben on misses about a four footer to yeah. extend it. Just shocking. Um, but congrats to Grayson Murray, his second PGA Tour win, first one in seven years. Obviously, a lot's been made about everything he's gone through off the golf course. But congrats to him on a huge win. Gets him in the Masters, all the signature events. Um, that's a that's a game changer for him. Yeah, it, after the third shots on the playoff hole, it looked like it was going to be a one hole playoff. They just looked like it was going to be Ben on winning the trophy. And not Grayson Murray. But I go back to just the end of regulation with Grayson. Those two bunker shots he hit on you know, the up and downs on 16, 17, where he virtually hit him to kick yeah. in. Those were unbelievable shots. And then to to be forced to lay up on 18, which is such a tough little awkward drive. But he took his medicine. He didn't try to do anything weird and, and jam it down by the green, hit it just inside 100. Stacked that. Big, big marbles there to go to the playoff. And then, damn, if you hadn't done have to do it again, except this time laid it back a little further and hit a bad wedge shot. And then run it, ran it in the hole. His uh, his post game interview was pretty emotional. If you watched any of it, you're, I'm sure pretty much everyone is aware of his story, his struggles with alcohol and things like that. And it's kind of like a Grayson Murray 2.0. And Colt, like you know, even going back to college, like talent has really never been the the question with Grayson Murray. It's just like the off the course stuff. Can he keep it straight and things like that? And I mean, I know it's early in the year. Um, we're only too deep, but he looks good. He's, the swing looks really, really good. And it's kind of like a, a sleeper guy that if, if he's got everything in line off the golf course, he, he's a guy with big enough talent to clearly not only win, but win multiple times possibly out there this year. Yeah, he smashes it. I mean, his ball yeah, speed, 183 miles an hour, he kills it. But, yeah, I mean, the talent's always been there. He's just, you know, had his off-the-course troubles. But it seems like he said eight months sober now, so good for him. 
Um, congrats on a huge win. That is, uh, I mean, it's going to be a first trip to the Masters, and those signature events are huge. I mean, that's just free money, free points. And he'll continue to climb up the world rankings, up the FedEx Cup points list. So congrats to them, though. But once again, Sony Open, I mean, 7,000-yard golf course, 17 under playoff. I mean, not crazy low scores. Um, they had some rough. They had some wind. It laid down a little bit today, but um, that one's always fun to watch. It's, it's just, just a cool golf course. Like so many different types of guys win there, but it always seems to be like there. It's close at the end. There's I, rarely is there like a runaway. Oh, it, it seems a bit like playoffs happen all the time. You see, you know, Hideki with the whatever it was, three wood or five wood on the seventy second. Like it always has a really really good finish. It didn't have all the stars in the field um, that a lot of the tournaments have, but damn, it puts out a good tournament, man. And it always seems to have some drama. Um, do you want to get to Ches Reevy now, or do you want to wait till the gambling let's segment? Let's do. Let's um. Let's do it now, dude. I feel like we're we're in the we we we're taking. You've already been taking a ton of shit today. I've been taking it on Twitter a little bit uh, about the Chess deal. So let's just go ahead out and get out. In front okay. Of well, it. first off, I did take Russell Henley this week, and he missed playoff by a shot. Yeah, so was well thank done. you, Russell. Well, well played. Missed by a shot. Um, that guy's a the beast back. there. I like that. We, we both we both took Chess Reeves a dark horse, and he went out and shot sixty six on Friday, but ended up missing the cut by, by two shots. Should have been three if Joel Damon would have wiggled in a four footer. Yeah, he made 17 guys very happy. But Chaz Reeve, we hyped him after he just dominated over at Whisper Rock in our pro scratch event, shooting 17 under on his own ball. Would have won on his own ball. And, of course, we hyped the shit out of him. Then he goes over there and misses the cut. So sorry to everyone out there. Um, we apologize. Yeah. But, look, I mean, we saw what we saw. And he went over there, and he didn't play good. This is why we should keep this information to ourselves from now on. I'm starting to think that nothing that happens at Whisper Rock matters anymore. Although Chad's like one of the few guys, like I said last time, when I've seen this in years past and just crazy good golf for a few days leading up to him leaving to a golf tournament, like it's tended to carry over into the golf tournament. But quickly were we informed that it uh, in fact did not carry over. And it was, by the way, freezing cold, tipped out, tough golf course at Whisper Rock. And then it uh, it didn't translate. So we'll eat the shit on that. Sorry, we try to give you a little inside scoop. Apologies to everyone that bet uh, Chez. And we may have to uh, reassess what we see behind the scenes. doesn't always work out. No. So I, I put a little picture out there of you and I from media day out at the WM Phoenix Open. Fantastic black and white picture. We look it gorgeous. was extremely sexual. Borderline yes. not suitable for work, that picture. Apologies but if I you said, opened that at work. <laughs> but I did say, you know, best caption, wins a playing lesson with you. Yep. Or some birdie juice merch, which my wonderful wife, Natalie, chimed in. <laughs> and she wants to know if she won. And since I actually am the one to put it out there and I get to decide, I decided that she did win and you have to take her to play golf. You know what? For her, <laughs> by God, I'll do it. A couple a couple hours alone with Natalie, you know, really peeling back uh, the layers. I feel like we can make a lot of progress in that. I'm more of a sports psychologist coach than you than I am an X's and O's, you know, technical guy like that. And I feel like Natalie Oof, she, there's a lot to be learned in a couple hours, my girl. So, yeah, tell her to just text me or FaceTime okay. me better yet. I'm more of a visual guy. Have her FaceTime me. And, Perfect. Uh, we'll, we'll get the details together. We'll do you do. have a winner, though? Because there was, there was, they were flooding in, by the way, and I was only looking every so often, but they would come in like crazy. Oh. Did you, in fact, pick a real winner? I'm going to pick a winner tonight. We're going to send some yeah. Birdie Juice merch out. Um, I'm going to go through them since I don't need to really break down any cowboy film or anything like that. I got plenty of time on my hands. Time before to my. 3.30 pickup in the morning. But, yes, I will pick a winner. We'll DM you or send you a message on Instagram or Twitter and get you some birdie juice merch. But that, that was a lot of fun. There were some good ones. There were some inappropriate ones, but um, yeah. a lot of good ones as well. Of course. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll make a point to do that more often throughout the year. We'll try to get some good stuff out there, give away, you know, do some free giveaways and things like that. But, um, yeah, props to everyone. Thank you for uh, participating in that. And, that yeah, we got some nice black and whites from that thing, dude. It's amazing how much better everyone looks in black and white. From now on, I might make this show black and white. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that should be a good. Throwback show, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get to our guest this week. One of the greatest college golf coaches there's ever been that there currently is down at the University of Texas. You know, they keep saying Texas football is back. Well, golf has been back. Coach Fields has done an absolutely incredible job down there in Austin. Coach the likes of Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Bo Hostler, and we've learned his sneaky MVP. Cody Gribble, thanks Ooh. thanks to him for coming to the University of Texas. He apparently changed the program around, but this was a lot of fun. You know, they're going to be the host of the NCAA championships out in San Diego the next few years. He uh, he's in the process of getting the College World Golf Championships Foundation together. But a lot of cool stories from Coach Fields. Let's get to it. Here's John Fields on Subpar. All right, our guest today. 
and has built one of the most successful programs in all of college golf. He's been coaching in the college game since 1988. He's won two national titles, three-time college coach of the year. And without him, guys like Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler would be scrubbing hooks at their local Muni. University of Texas men's golf coach, John Fields. How are we doing, coach? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Colt and Drew. I'm, I'm so excited to be on Golf Subcar Subpar. This is so awesome, and I, I enjoy listening to you guys all the time. Well, we Thank appreciate you. it very much, and congrats on all the success you've had at your incredible career. Coming up on 40 years in the college coaching game. Can you believe that? No. Uh, I, I, I heard a quote the other day, and it was just really quick. It was just, it goes fast, doesn't it? And it, it was actually by Lee Trevino. He was talking to Arnold Palmer, not in either one of those guys' categories. But he said that, that Trevino or, or uh, Palmer was about to end his career, and, and that's all he could think to tell Arnie to break up the kind of the tension or, or the emotion of the moment. And he said it goes fast, and it does. It just It's amazing how fast our lives go. But we've had a lot of wonderful things happen, and, and over the last, I don't know, 15 years um post cody gribble cody gribble is really the one that changed it all for us but long story short um it has gone extremely quick hold on i i, I gotta i gotta i gotta go back to the cody gribble i thought thing. there was another guy that changed the program but I, yeah because i know cody gribble very well obviously a winner on the pga tour uh what did he do to change things well as you know colt being a dallas guy you know he was in my opinion, he, when we when we got Cody Gribble to come to Texas, uh, we were still a little bit in flux. We the, the time frame two thousand five, six, seven, eight prior to him arriving had been substantially difficult. Uh, we had built a golf course and opened our golf course UT Golf Club in two thousand three, but the years preceding that two thousand one, two thousand two, I kind of took my eye off the golf ball. Uh, that being the program because I was worried more about that golf course than I was about recruiting. And not to say that we didn't have great kids, we did, but we weren't at the level in that 2005, six, seven, eight time frame. There was a lot of reasons for it. And really it was a time when DeLos Dodds, my boss, had he wanted to make a change, uh, he, he certainly could have done that. But the blessing for me and my wife, Pearl, was that Mac Brown's program at that time, 2005 National Championship, and then 2009 appearance in the National Championship. Rick Barnes, our basketball coach, was in the middle of a huge run and had just come off the Final Four in 2005. And Augie Garrido uh, had won a couple national championships in, in baseball. And, and so DeLoss just was like, nah, let's not worry about golf right now. So anyway, I kind of survived that moment. But when Cody Gribble came, he was not only a great golfer, he was a great person, and he was the right guy at the right time for us because he was also as great a recruiter as I've ever been around. Rick Barnes told me a long time ago, your, your players are either your best recruiters or they're not, and there's really no in-between. And so when he came, that just changed everything. He was a man's man. People like to be around Cody. That helped us get Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth helped us get Doug Gim and Scotty Scheffler. Um, Scotty Scheffler and Doug Gim helped us get Bo Hostler and Gavin Hall. Gavin Hall and Bo Hostler helped us get the Cootie brothers and Cole Hammer, and it's it's been pretty, pretty wonderful ever since. But the family tree or the success tree kind of started with Cody Gribble. Man, Shout out Cody Gribble. Shout out. I didn't I didn't know it was going to be a, co a, a complimentary story to Cody Gribble there, but I love that. <laughs> that that's awesome to Don't hear. Don't feel bad about that middle 2000s era. Either Coach Fields, that was a TCU SM era, SMU era down yeah, there in Texas. You, you know what I mean? You, you had your hands tied. You're up against monsters. You know what I mean? I want to go back in time, though, a little, because we're going to get a ton of your coaching stuff. But you had a stint playing. You graduate from the University of New Mexico, and then you go, I believe, play over in Europe for a year or so. Tell us a little bit about uh, Coach John Fields, the player. Coach John Fields, the player, had big dreams and aspirations, but I'll tell you, I was not nearly the player that either one of you two are or, or any of the guys that I've coached, to be quite honest with you. Now, my teammates in college were Kurt Byram, Tom Byram, and Tommy Armour III, amongst Whoa. others. Uh, and, and Tom Byram became a great player while in college. Kurt Byram is probably the best athlete other than well, really was the best athlete I've ever been around. And 
Tommy Armour III was an unbelievable talent, and I think a throwback to Walter Hagen because he enjoyed life so much, but in the meantime was a great player and super confident. So I was fortunate to be around some seriously good players. I wanted to try my hand. I didn't get my money together quick enough to try to get into the PGA Tour school. So I threw it together, and my wife and I went to La Manga, Spain. I got through the qualifier there. Uh, it, it, you just went to the final stage at that time in Europe, made it, and then played the entire year of 1983. We played in 27 tournaments in nine different countries, and we spent way more money than we made. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. I was stressing and wanting to be a player. But the one thing that 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 really sticks out to me uh, from my time in Europe was um, my wife was my caddy, but we were hanging around somewhere in, in, in amongst a bunch of caddies. And there was this caddy named Silly Billy. Back then, there was a lot of guys that were had nicknames. And, and uh, you know, Tim Heron's first caddy was Harpo. And um, I asked him, why, why, why do you call him Harpo? He says, because he doesn't say anything, coach. <laughs> so anyway, but a lot of the caddies had nicknames. And this silly Billy, he said, what do you want to do with golf, John? And I'm like, well, I want to be really successful. I want to make a good living and maybe give back to kids someday, maybe give them an opportunity that I didn't have. And, and he said, well, you better be careful because you might just get what you asked for. And it's kind of a philosopher type caddy you've probably been around some that are like oh, yeah. that but anyway he was exactly right i i've had success in the game of golf i've made a pretty good living and i feel like i'm giving back to kids every day so here we are it isn't the way i thought it was going to be but that's that was my european tour experience i was going to say like i mean as a player i mean none of us really have plan b's we always think we're going to make it we're going to make millions of dollars travel around the world win tournaments was coaching ever like in the picture at all? No, what happened there was, is uh, after we spent all the money that we made, I, I had a friend in Southern Arizona, in Yuma, Arizona, at a golf course called Desert Hills that was the head pro there, a guy named Roland Radowski. And I was going to work for six months and then go back to Europe. I'd made just enough money to be able to go back. And anyway, what happened there was I, uh, I, I ended up really enjoying teaching and working in the golf shop. So I decided to get my Class A PGA membership, which was going to take three years. And in the meantime, we got pregnant and my golf career essentially was over. But I got it out of my system, which I think a lot of guys in college have to do before they uh, go on to do something else. And that's what happened for me. I got my Class A in the PGA of America in 1987. Dwayne Knight, my coach at New Mexico, took a job at UNLV about the same time. So I had kept in contact. One of the byproducts of turning pro was to, to go out and raise money. And I don't know if either one of you ever had to do that. Colt, you were a U.S. amateur champion, so you probably had people throwing money at you. But, but the truth is I didn't. So I contacted a bunch of our former donors and alumni, and they helped fund my European tour experience. And but it was the same guys that helped me get the job because they knew that I was going to work hard. And, and, and then I took Dwayne Knight's place at New Mexico and the rest is history. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That raising money, it's a different uh, experience when you get out there and you need some help and all of a sudden people are investing in you, but you take that job in 1988. I got to imagine at the time you didn't think, you know, over three decades later, you'd still be in the game, but starting out in New Mexico as a young guy, like, you know, Austin is one of the preeminent places you can go now. You've built that thing into a monster. How hard was it to get kids to commit to go to Albuquerque? Well, I didn't know any different. And I always thought we had a great place because we had a great golf course, the championship golf course at the University of New Mexico. And I hit it out of the park right off the bat, got seriously lucky. What had happened, I had played in some grapefruit events. Uh, those are kind of lower line underneath the underneath the uh, even mini tours for that matter. But the Yuma Open was one of those tournaments. And the guy that I was working for in Yuma at that time, because I shifted gears, I went to another golf course called Mesa del Sol, and I worked for a guy named Dick Walters. And Dick had been the assistant golf professional at Wyzetta Country Club in Minneapolis. Well, he started in a junior program, Tim Heron. 
And so Tim Heron and his dad had come down to play in the Yuma Open. The first year I was paired, not knowing that I was going to be a golf coach. Uh, the first year I was paired with his dad, Carson, who is a really fine player. And then the second year I got in the hunt to win the tournament. And lo and behold, I was paired with Tim Heron. So when I got the job, I'm like, I'm recruiting that Tim Heron for sure. That guy can play. And I could see it with my own eyes. He had kind of a magic move at the bottom of his swing where he hit the ball straight and long. And he, he wasn't the prototype. You know, his nickname in high school was Lumpy. And, uh, and so we got lucky because Arizona State looked at him, Steve Lloyd, Arizona State, Buddy Alexander at Florida. But they weren't particular interests. So I threw the kitchen sink at him with full scholarship and whatever else that I could do. And New Mexico to kind of entice, you know, we, we did have great history because Brad Bryant had gone to school there. Our program had finished top five multiple times in the NCAA. And so I felt like we can go get this guy. And we got Tim Heron. And that's really his career and my career had the same trajectory. We got I was so fortunate to knock it out of the park with him. And then Brian Corton, who is now became a PGA Tour member for a year. But now he's the coach at Texas A&M. He was in that first recruiting class. That's awesome. I mean, Lump. Lump is one of our favorite people. We've had him on the show. He's fantastic. I love the comparison of Tommy Armour III to Walter Hagen. That was that was great. But I want to know a little bit more about Tim Heron in college. I mean, we see him now. He's got one of the best personalities in the game. What was he like back then? Same. Um, he, he was a little moody, and he was <laughs> extremely fiery. Um, he, um, he had a a gene of competitiveness that I've really never been around. Um, so inside the ropes, he is fiery competitor that wants to win badly and causes him to maybe have a bad day now and then. But on the other, t on the other side of the equation, outside the ropes, he had a unique ability to enjoy his life to the fullest. He still does that. He's got three great young boys one of them playing at the University of New Mexico now, and then his wife is fantastic. I always told him, I said, I think you're going to be a great dad. And he goes, why do you say that, coach? Because he was, you know, he was enjoying a libation now and then in college. And, and uh, of course, he smoked in college, too, which you can't do these days, but you could then. But they had the Tim Heron rule, by the way. Uh, when he was smoking, he had to step off the golf course. So him and another guy from Fresno State would go out of bounds and smoke a cigarette and come back in bounds and, and shoot under par. And so one time my AD said, you need to tell him to quit. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And I said, hey, Tim, you need to quit. And we just left it at that. <laughs> that was the end hey, of I it. told him, I told him, dude. He told me, he told me when you were at New Mexico, you had an Olive Garden budget. You went to Texas and you got a Ruth's Chris budget. That's, that's, Pretty too. We ate a lot of breadsticks at, or breadsticks at New Mexico. Oh, that's oh great. my God. There's no one better. And I just played with Baby Lump, by the way. Carson is at New Mexico, and he is a hell of a player, too. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But staying on the recruiting stuff for a little bit, Coach. Now you, you go from New Mexico, you go to Texas. Texas never really had a problem recruiting some of the top talent in the country. Uh, has the addition of NIL made it easier or harder to get those same type of kids you've always gotten? Well... For the perceived haves, if, if you, first of all, if you work hard as a golf coach, no matter where you are, you can have success, in my opinion. But that does mean that you got to, if, if you're at a place that maybe would be considered a, not a Power Five conference team, but let's just say a mid-major or maybe even a little less than that, you, you can have success, but you absolutely need to work extremely hard and you need to maximize every little asset that you might have. Uh, today, things that were perceived as cheating or under the table are now right on top of the table, and that's the NIL. And so for us, it's been kind of a godsend because it gives us another opportunity, maybe another arrow in our quiver, if you will, to, to have success because now, instead of just scholarship, you actually have an opportunity to tell them that, Let's say, you know, one of the big things that you need in your, in your life is to be able to fund your summer golf. Well, NIL can do that in, in, from a collective perspective. And now you've got TaylorMade, Nike, 
uh, Callaway and shoot uh, Titleist that that can write contracts for these guys in college and and give them another revenue source that that makes their world just a little bit better. I think it's fantastic to be quite honest with you, and we are utilizing it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you see Gordon Sargent. The stud from Vanderbilt was in a bunch of Titleist commercials. Then all of a sudden, I believe he showed up at Augusta with Nike shoes and a Nike glove on. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I have a feeling I know what happened there. Yeah, I think he had a seven-figure reason to, to jump out there Damn. in those Nikes. God, that's different. That is- Does it make it trickier coaching kids in the sense that like now some of them are making more money than guys working at the schools in some cases? For sure. I, I don't think so, to be quite honest with you. I, and, and I've been fortunate because I've been around two of the best players that have ever played at Texas. We had the same thing happen in the 70s with Tom Kite and Ben Crenshaw. But we had Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth. And if you ask me today, none of that would make any whole a whole lot of difference to either one of those guys. Neither one of those guys plays for the money. They both play for success they both play for the competitive aspects of this game they love the game but i've seen them in other formats whether it's on the basketball court and ping pong they they play for competitiveness and so i i look for that i look for guys that are super competitive i don't think it's really about the money it might be for mom and dad because maybe that helps them fund the summer golf and maybe that helps them uh not you know, get into Hawk or, 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 you know, have to use credit cards and all that stuff. And, and that's the truth and reality. But one other funny thing about NIL, these guys are having to pay taxes now. Yeah. yeah. Things they never <laughs> had to do before. It's like, what is this in the mail from the IRS? Oh my God, I got to pay 10, 15, $20,000 in taxes. Yeah. That's what happens when you make money. That is exactly right. Can I right. ask a real quick question about that? Is there anyone at the University of Texas or other schools like coaching kids on that? Because some kid, a lineman, gets 50 grand to show up and play football. Like, oh, my God, I got 50 grand. I got a pretty good idea what I'd do with 50 grand when I was 20 years old and it wouldn't pay taxes. Do people coach them on how to, like, handle this? I think that's another one of the blessings that is uh, pertinent to collegiate athletics right now is that you – basically coach these guys, let's say 10 years ago, and the, and you, there's crash and burns. I won't use any names, but normally it was these great running backs or great quarterbacks that would have made a tremendous amount of money coming out of college, but had not been coached in any way, which meant that not only might they invest in bad ventures, they might also actually have people take advantage of them. And those people are out there. They're predators. But today, the way our Texas One Fund is set up, and there is so much education for these guys. And when it comes to their own money, they actually, rather than falling asleep in class, they're, they're actually attentive and listening. listening. Even an inner city kid uh, understands that there's a better way to do this because there's been so many crash and burns. To answer your question, Drew, absolutely the university of texas and and our competitors out there are doing a way better job and an incredible job at educating these kids about their monies that's that's great to hear because that is definitely a concern all right some big news here from subpar we have officially launched our own youtube page make sure to subscribe at golf underscore subpar on youtube check out this week's video uh like subscribe do all the stuff colt we got some cool behind the scenes stuff coming and uh give you a little outside look at some of the stuff outside the studio so please like please subscribe you're the best listeners in the game we love you back to the show well you mentioned scotty scheffler jordan spieth we obviously know those were can't miss guys they were going to go through college get on the pga tour and dominate but some of the people you've coached parker pearson cootie uh, David Gossett, Brad Elder, who I knew from growing up in Dallas, was an absolute stud. Cole Hammer, Bo Hossler, Matt Rosenfeld, another one. Is there one of the players you coached that maybe you're surprised didn't have the success at the pro level? Well, I don't think you're ever surprised. The first thing that I look at from my perspective it is kind of like what a doctor looks at. It's called the Hippocratic Oath, which is to do no harm. Uh, because we are blessed with some of these great competitors, great players 
we've we've worked really hard to create an environment that might attract them to come to the University of Texas. So I don't want to do any harm. I, I let's just start with that like a baseline. But I also recognize for sure how difficult it is to make a living on the PGA Tour. And that being said, I recognize that not everybody's going to make it. So I counsel them all the time um, to just be great people and to work really hard. And if you do those two things, people are going to want to help you in your lifetime. And uh, if you treat people good and you work hard, chances are you're going to have success. Now, you need to live a nice life and and uh, not tear your own body down. But the bottom line is, is that uh, not everybody's going to make it. Uh, I think some people are going to have success from time to time. Uh, and then maybe it, it goes away for other reasons. Um, one great teacher, Rob Akins, who's in uh, – Memphis, Tennessee, who worked with David Toms and worked with David Gossett. He was having dinner with our team. This is, golly, probably 18 years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, he he was looking at the guys. We had a good team, and we're, we're sitting there having a really nice dinner. And he said, let me tell you something. You guys with this birthday, meaning, you know, whatever the birthday was going to be like, whenever they were born, maybe in the mid eighties or whatever at that time. Uh, he said, there's only two guys with this birthday that are going to make a living and actually have a career out on the PGA tour. And, and that's for one of the best teachers in the world. And meaning you, you need to work hard, get your degree, go to school, treat people, right. Take care of things, work hard, da da da, and you'll have a good life. Maybe in golf, most likely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. It's not like Scotty Jordan. Those guys seem like slam dunks and they turned out to be slam dunks. But you just never know because there's a list of names that were just like those guys coming out of junior golf that didn't make it. Let me ask you this question because Colt just mentioned tons of the studs that you've had go to the University of Texas. Can you think of one kid during your career at Texas that you really wanted, really wanted bad? You thought you had him and he ended up not coming to Texas. One that stings. For sure. <laughs> and, and, and it happened twice. So that was Hunter Mahan. Yeah. Um, and, and Hunter chose to go to USC kind of out of college. And I, I, I would say that I did not do a great job of recruiting him. I was kind of distracted with some other things. I don't even know exactly what they were at this point in time. But he slipped away. He didn't just slip away from me slipped away from Mike Holder as well at Oklahoma State. So after about a year of Southern California and maybe an accident on the freeway and some other things, Hunter decided it was a better thing for him to do, come back to Dallas, Oklahoma, Texas, somewhere in that neighborhood. So I was recruiting him really hard. Once he, once he put his name out there that he was gonna, that he was gonna depart and got a release from USC, um, I started recruiting him really hard. And so we get to the NCAA championship and it's in at Duke. And I only had an individual that year, John Clark, who made it as an individual. And then Oklahoma state was there, but I've been talking to Monty, his dad, uh, Monty Montgomery, or excuse me, Monty, <laughs> Mahan, Monty Mahan and, and Monty, told me that, you know, after the NCAA, you come on up here and we'll, we'll see what happens. But Coach Holder's recruiting him, so you two are the ones that are in this. So I'm like, okay, that sounds great. And so John Cloud played really well in the NCAAs. He made the cut. For the first time ever that I know of, Oklahoma State missed the cut. When that happened, I think those guys signed their cards. Mike Holder left them with his assistant, Got on a, got in a taxi, got on a plane, went straight to Dallas, landed at the Mahan house, and basically told them, "I'm not leaving here until you commit to Oklahoma State." Well, he did. He did that evening, and I called Monty and said, "Hey, how's things going? I'll be seeing you on." He goes, "Coach, don't bother. Uh, Hunter's going to go to Oklahoma State." And I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. You told me, you told me that that I was going to get to see him afterwards." He goes. I know, it's just one of those things. It's Coach Holder was just so compelling and 
Wonderful. And Colt, I don't know if you had it or either one of you guys got recruited by Mike Holder, but he can sell ice to Eskimos <laughs> and he did. I, did I was not, always terrified. Yeah, of him. I'm with you. I did not get recruited by him, <laughs> but uh, I actually ran into him at Ari out in Las Vegas a few years ago and we played some blackjack late into the evening. He absolutely loves to compete. And uh, Mike Holder, I have tremendous respect for him and I really appreciate him as a college golf coach. He was the, the first of the modern coaches that went out and recruited and worked really hard. Bottom line is he just had a 20 year start on everybody else and he dominated. So it's fun to be around him. But if you were with him at the blackjack table, I, there are stories about him doing that and he, <laughs> he enjoys going out there and competing. And that's what he does for fun. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to sit down and talk with him. I've never got to really like have a conversation with him um, until then, but it was great. You mentioned there was two, though. You So Hunter Mahan was one. Who was the other guy that got away? Whew. There's been so many. Uh, in my business, if you recruit five guys, you might get one. The Hunter Mahan thing hurt, but the, the next one was Casey Wittenberg. Figured that was that the name. That one hurt yep. like no other. Because we had done such a great job with David Gossett, and I thought Casey, being from Memphis, thought I was in the right shape. So what happens there? Same thing, Oklahoma State, before they put restrictions on the NCAA, uh, Mike Holder had a, a deal with NetJets, or actually with, uh, gosh darn, was it NetJets or somebody he had a fractional share with. He raised a bunch of money. You talk about working hard. That was one of those things he did. But he raised a lot of money and Boone Pickens was helping him. And so he had a fractional share with a with a jet company. And he he sent the plane down to Florida. Um, Tyler and Tyler. Golly, I'm blanking on his name. But Casey Wittenberg. And Tyler Leon were going to yeah, the yeah. Academy. And. And he sends that jet down to him, and I hear that they've had steak and eggs on the way to uh, on the on the way to Oklahoma State, and steak and eggs on the way back. And I called on that Monday after the visit, and Casey said, "I'm going to Oklahoma State." He said, "Coach, I thought I was going to go to your place. I really did, but I just can't turn my colder down." I'm like, "Man, he got me again." Oh, that private wow. jet, yeah, Ooh, private jet. Does Those Leon boys are great dudes too. Uh, by the way, but they are. let me, let me, all right, you talked on the guys you missed. Let's talk about the guys that did go to Texas. You've had some studs. Colt mentioned them. Get, and this might be an obvious answer, and it might not be an obvious answer, but day one showing up on the campus of the University of Texas, is there a guy that stands out that you thought, this is the most talented kid I've seen since I've been here? Well, up to date, that would have been Jordan Speed. And, and, and for two reasons. And I've always said this if, if a guy turns up to UT Golf Club, and he parks his car in the parking lot the first time and he walks to the golf shop and everybody to a man, everybody as our members, everybody in the staff, everybody knows who that guy is. That was Jordan Speed. That was the first guy that we we ever had on our team that everybody knew. Two-time United States Junior Champion was in the third to final group or third yeah third to final group in the byron nelson and played with um golly the eventual winner he it's it just amazing how good that was and um i i there there's no question that that he's that guy yeah no surprise i met him that week at byron nelson when he was 16 and stayed in contact with him ever since and it was just it's amazing i mean he is just so talented can get it up and down from a trash can. If my life's on the line, I need somebody to get a ball up and down from a tough spot. It's probably going to be him. Me too. It is. It is special. But you had so many great players. Obviously, the goal each year for y'all at the University of Texas is to win that national championship. And I know y'all are a huge part of that national championship going forward now with it being out at Omni La Costa in San Diego. Y'all are going to be the host school. We are. And it's an odd way how we got there. But basically, the way it happened was um everybody really enjoyed Greyhawk. It was a great venue, uh, but very hot, obviously, about 110 degrees. Desert golf course, target oriented, and the fans had to stay on the cart pads. So it was 
not a great fan experience from that perspective. They did everything. The staff there did everything they could to make it really nice. But the the venue wasn't going to take golf to another level. And I happened to be watching the 2017 Walker Cup at L.A. North. And I was walking around with Jeff Shackelford, um, who had helped Gil Hance uh, redo L.A. North and got some uh, kudos because of it. And I was walking around with him on just talking about different things. And I say, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could have the national championship in Southern California on more of an annual basis as opposed to, you know, sometimes you're here, sometimes you're there. He said, yeah, where, where would you do it? And I said, well, how, I, I know the Rollings, they're, they're big donors and alumni at the University of Texas. They're philanthropists. Maybe they would think, because they own Omni La Costa, that that was a great place. He goes, yeah, but that, that's dated. That, that golf course is dated. You, you couldn't really have a championship there anymore. They, they had the Tournament of Champions there for 30 years, up and, and then six or seven uh, world match plays mm-hmm. there. And, uh, and, but, but that all ended 2006, 2007. So anyway, I said, what, what if you had Gil Hans do it? And he said, well, if you did that, maybe it could be a great course. And, and that's the idea that myself, Mike Holder, and Chris Del Conte, my AD, floated with the Omni team and Bob and Blake Rowling. They liked the idea. We were going to have San Diego State host it because the college team has to host the national championship. Like in baseball in Omaha, Creighton University hosts the national championship there. So anyway, we were going to have... San Diego State hosted. They said they would do it, but then they found out it was going to be a neutral site, unlike Greyhawk, because, for instance, we played Arizona State for the national championship in 2022. They had played golf there 81 times that year. We had three or four rounds that year on that golf course. And so anyway, uh, everybody kind of wants a neutral site. And so Del Conte said, well, if San Diego State's not going to host it, we will. So that's how Texas ended up hosting it. And then what I did from there is I, part of the reason that we wanted to do that, Mike Holder pointed it out. He said there was basically three or four reasons. One would be the Rollings legacy for college golf. That would be one. Two, you would be able to have iconic shots on the Golf Channel that people could equate to the same venue on an annual basis and maybe build a real following for men's and women's college golf, maybe have 10,000 people out there someday watching college golf. Three, you, you've you got the weather and you've got the ability to now have records that, that you can compare on an annual basis. And then the final one would be a best practices. I'm sure you guys do something like this with with your podcast because it's become so great. And that is that you do best practices. Okay, that... This particular year is over. What did we do well? What didn't we do well? What do we need to add? All those different things. And so the compound effect of that over a 10-year period would be that we could have this extraordinary collegiate event that people are now really drawn to. It's compelling. The match play is compelling. And that we would have a property that would be magnificent. And I believe that's going to happen at Omni La Costa. Yeah, it's going to be great. Obviously, Southern California is perfect for it. But with that, you've helped develop the College World Golf Championship Foundation to help set off some of the costs. Because, listen, going to these nice places, it's not cheap for the college programs. No, that's exactly right. I I, I took it to another level because I, I knew that the gold standard for a standalone permanent site was the College World Series in Omaha. With that being said, I researched them. We connected with their driving force, force, which is the College World Series Foundation. It's been in effect since 1950. Nobody even knows that, 73 years. And now they're a revenue sharing partner with the NCAA, which means that they are a very successful entity. So we checked in with them, and then as a result, we developed what's called the College World Golf Championships Foundation. People say, well, why world? Well, 
If you look at the NCAA championship today, both men and women, it's a world game. Ludwig Alberg for Texas Tech out of Sweden. I mean, this guy is magnificent, but we have players from every part of the world, South America, Central America, South Africa, Africa, Asia, Europe, the Balkans, uh, the Switzerland, Sweden, all, all of them, all represented in the NCAA championships. And they're the two best amateur golf tournaments in the world. So we need a funding mechanism because you can't just think that, well, Texas is so into college golf that they're going to pay for this on an annual basis. And you can't think that Omni LaCosta is a business. They don't want to pay for this on an annual basis. They would if they had to, but it would be preferable to get all the golf world to feel like they could be part of this NCAA championship. In 2018, Boone Pickens underwrote the national championship at Karsten Creek in Oklahoma to the tune of a million dollars. Johnny Tyson did the exact same thing in Arkansas at the Blessings. It's not cheap to run these events at a tour level. That's what we aim to do. We wanna give the kids that are playing in this event the, the absolute best experience that they're ever gonna have in college golf. And for most part, other than maybe a US amateur, which you won, Cole, uh, this is, probably the pinnacle of their golf career. And so we owe it to them to give them the best opportunity to have an unbelievable experience on a great venue. That's fantastic. So for people listening, can they, if they want to get involved and chip in, can they do that? Where do they go to do that? Well, right now they can con connect with me. Um, we're, we're a brand new entity, so we're establishing our website, but I would tell you this, um, it's called the College World Golf Championships Foundation, Inc. Within a month, we'll have a website. Within that month, we'll, we'll start organizing. But if you want to get to John Fields, you can. All you got to do is go to texasgolf.com or texassports.com, and uh, you can get to me with my email and just say, hey, I want to help college golf. But we're, we're going to get out and, and uh, get people excited. I've already talked to a lot of tour players. They're excited about it. I think every, the, the unique aspect of our sport is that people do want to give back. And I think we're positioned in a nice way. Colt, you and I talked about this. You have the Ryder Cup. You have the Solheim Cup. You have the Walker Cup. You have the Curtis Cup for women. And then you have um the president's cup but we're the only other major match play event that i know of and i do think that we have something that that could be extraordinary it's already really good but i think it could be extraordinary and i think the college world golf championships foundation is going to help make that happen that's awesome man congratulations on getting all that together what is about your phone number yeah <laughs> at the end of this interview don't worry about it people just reach out to you direct. Just straight line straight shot oh, that's going to make a huge difference though seriously so congrats on that and i know lacoste is going to be a great host and everyone involved at omni we got to get to the e9 with you real quick some fun questions for you before we let you get out of here and we ask this to everyone and i have a feeling you've already mentioned this guy's name if you could if you could be someone else for a day other than yourself, who would it be? Just one day, you get to walk in their shoes. Maybe Mike Holder when he flew to yeah, McKinney, go back Texas. And butch that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Butch no, that no. interview with. The... I'll tell you who it would be. It would be Ben Crenshaw. Oh, nice. And, and, the, and the reason it would be Ben Crenshaw, we we had him come talk to the team a long time ago, and he was sitting at the top of the table, and and I said, Hey, Ben, before we get started, I, I've got one question for you because these are all. University of Texas student athletes that are in front of you. He goes, what's that coaching? I said, did you have a good time when you were at Texas? And he, he kind of dropped his head and put his hands like, uh, cupped his face. And, and then he came back with this big smile and he goes, coach, I had a great time in college. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but it sure sounded pretty good. And the guy, it broke the ice and the, uh, Ben Crenshaw has always been the coolest guy that I've ever been around. He's awesome. Love yep. that. On the course, off the course, all of it. Um, yeah. All right, Coach, I'm going to start you off. This is going to be a tough one here. And you can defer if you don't want to, if you don't want to hurt any feelings. But if you are going to put together an all-time, since you've been coaching at Texas, starting five, based on their games at the college level, not necessarily how they turned out as pros, 
Who would it be? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to rank them because you got to start with Jordan Spieth, impact player. You've got to go with Bo Hostler because he was the Fred Haskins award winner, which is the Heisman Trophy of college golf. You got to go with Doug Gim because he was also, um, he was, he was the Ben Hogan award winner, which is the best amateur college golfer combined for the year. And then you've got to go with Scotty Scheffler because he's so dynamic. And then the next one up, I only got Brad Elder for a semester. So I'm, I'm going to, he, he's my backup and he's the guy that uh, loved to compete as well. But I got to put Cody Gribble in there because if, if I don't have Cody Gribble, I don't have anything. And, and I'm not talking to you guys today. So thank God for Cody Gribble. I, I Shout mean, out I Cody Gribble. He gets a good pub today. No, I thought Gossett would be in there for sure. You got good options, by the way. Good <laughs> options. You could put a couple Love of teams David together. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, what's wild is, you know, growing up in the Dallas area where I did, I mean, Matt Rosenfeld was oh, the man. The guy. And it just, I mean, it shows you how hard professional golf is. Just didn't make it. But he was the guy. I remember when we go to tournaments, be like, oh, God, he's here. This is a problem. Yeah, yeah he was really good. Yeah, Really had, good player. You had a lot of good ones. There's no doubt about that. I actually had that question down as well. So I'll go to the next one. Obviously, y'all's biggest rivalry in football, OU, the Red River, Red River Classic. Who's the school you hate to lose to the most in golf? Oh, for sure, it's Oklahoma State. <laughs> I figured that. Y'all so <laughs> uh, had Oklahoma some good battles with Ryan Hibble. Oklahoma with Ryan Hibble is is next, but but Oklahoma State has been really the driving force and the energy and the synergy behind my passion for this game, and that's Mike Holder again. Yeah, Love he's it. set the bar, and you guys have been going at it for a long time, and. We'll probably continue to do so. All right, I'm going to ask you this, Coach. What's the most strict punishment you've ever given out for a player for sleeping through a workout, missing a team meeting, any sort of disciplinary matter? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I had two players, probably don't want to name the names, but um, I had two players kind of get into it one time. And, uh, I, and, and it was on the road at a tournament. And, and when you coach in competitive guys – there's always the possibility that somebody might get outside the box just a little bit. So these two guys went at it. When we came home, I told them, you know what? I'm going to make it tough on you guys. For the spring semester, you're going to have to qualify to qualify. In other words, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to play in your own qualifier to get to the qualifier. Both made them much better. The other thing that I did is I made them do everything together. I made them go to work out together. If one drove one morning, then the other one had to drive the next morning. I made them do, I made them eat together. I made them, the, the only thing they didn't have to do was live together, but everything else they had to do together. And I, I got that from my dad because my dad always felt like, whatever I do to your brother, I'm gonna do to you. And so I felt like that that's the toughest thing that I ever did, but it turned out to be absolutely wonderful for both of them well i think that's beautiful you can share this because i got this story from one of those players and i was told to ask you (laughs) if you ever saw a fight happen at the texas tech golf course but i'll let you choose if you want to say it or not (laughs) that was an almost fight between scotty scheffler and and bo hostler yeah and that was because first of all both of those guys and I'm going to say this in a nice way, are oversexed in the competitiveness department, right? So that's just a way of saying that. But Bo Hostler was into his game dramatically. He was playing his match. We were playing this match play against Texas Tech. And Scotty Scheffler, it, there's, there's nothing worse on this planet for him than to lose to anybody in anything. So anyway... They both hit their shots on a par five off the tee. And I'm walking with Bo. I'm really not walking with Scotty, but I'm kind of paying attention to Bo like a caddy. He walks by this golf ball and he looks at it and he, for whatever reason, he thinks that he's outdriven Scotty by 15 yards. So Scotty doesn't think anything. We walked right past the ball. Bo looked at the golf ball and Scotty hits his shot. We get up to the ball. Bo's turn now, and he looks down. And he goes, "This is not my ball." Ooh. And 
you would have thought Mount Vesuvius just went off. <laughs> like the uh, we had a volcano 15 yards below us. And Scheffler got so mad when he figured out that he'd hit the wrong ball. He ran up to the green 260 yards on a dead sprint, picked up the ball, ran back, threw it at Bo's feet. Bo goes ahead and hits the right shot. Then Scotty has lost the, the hole now. And that he just lost a hole. But he <laughs> it's killing him. And so now they're jawing against each other on the way up. And finally, on the next hole, on the par three, I told Bo, I said, we are not going another step further until you apologize to Scotty for that. What do I got to apologize to him for? He's the one that hit the wrong ball. And I'm like, because of the way you walked up to that ball and recognized that it wasn't your ball, but it was. You made a mistake. And it caused him to make a mistake. Say you're sorry. So he, <laughs> Scotty's like walking by, he goes, I'm sorry, like that. And then we went on. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I asked, I was, <laughs> Bo was at my house the other night. I was like, hey, we're having Coach Fields on. You got any good stories? He goes, just asking about the time me and Scotty almost got in a fight at Texas Tech. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Perfect. But I'll tell you what, those are two warriors. You want to have those guys playing for you, I promise. Oh, you think? Which leads perfectly into my next question. Who wins in a fight between Bo, Sh <laughs> Bo Hossler and Scotty Shuffler? Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. You don't have to answer that one, Coach. That's a battle of the Titans. They're both six foot three. Big boys. But I would say at that time, Scotty Shuffler was the athlete. So I wouldn't want any part of Scotty Shuffler. Bo's leaned up. Bo's leaned up nice. He's at a nice fighting he, weight right now. He is looking fantastic, and I'm um, – praying and visioning for a great year for him yeah he is uh very dapper all right I'll give my next real one what do you dread hearing more the boomer boomer sooner fight song or the dad of a junior golfer coming up to you telling you why should you should recruit his kid boomer sooner <laughs> it's shocking to me actually i bet you hear the other one more often though all the time yeah hey coach gotta take a look at my kid all right correct Megan 80 already my last one, I'm going to need you to help me with this because I just thought of it because we went over a few of my questions during that. But early on, probably 2003 or four, you had a really good player that was a little bit of a bigger boy at Texas. Can you remember? Can you help me with that name? It just came to me. He was a stud. Are, are we talking about Jonathan Vegas? Yeah, I was, no, I was thinking. It wasn't Johnny Vegas. Uh, he was the he was, guy you beat in the semifinals at the no. U.S. Amateur and broke our hearts. <laughs> easy, easy match that was. No, it was before that because I was probably a, I was a freshman in 03. God, it's going to drive me nuts. And he was a thicker guy. A thicker guy. Had, had a funny golf swing. Jason Hartwick? Yes. Hartwick. Jason Hartwick. That is it. That guy was really good, by the way. All right. We're going to go Jason Hartwick and Lumpy have an Olive Garden breadstick eating competition. Who could take down more? Uh, for sure, Heron, because Hardwick was would be looking after his weight, and Tim was not worried about that at the time. <laughs> that is perfect. And Tim needs those breadsticks to sop up the liquor. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He needs those. I, I we'd be in the car, guys. Hey, guys, where do you want to go eat? Well, da, 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 I'm like, we're going to Olive Garden. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, Coach. Man, we really appreciate you sitting down with us. Congrats on everything with NCAAs, the College World Golf Championship Foundation. We're really looking forward to seeing what y'all do with the NCAAs. But, and also, congrats on all your success. You've had an unbelievable career, but it was a lot of fun sitting down talking with you. Well, it's been great for me today. I, I really enjoy talking with you guys. I remember you greatly from college golf and amateur golf and professional golf, and I'm, I'm so thrilled where golf is, even though that we've got the live PGA tour thing going on, golf is in a great place and I'm looking forward to these next few years. And you guys are going to be a huge part of that. Thank you so well, much. Thank you coach. We appreciate your time. Keep up the good work, my man. All right. Thanks so much. Hook them on. That's right. <laughs> All right. That was coach John Fields, the head golf coach at the university of Texas. What a program he's put together down there. Like I said, Jordan Speed, Scotty Scheffler, Bo Hostler. I mean, the list goes on and on. They've had so many great players come out of there. They have incredible facilities. But congrats to them. I loved hearing pretty much everything. It's like, who do you not like the most? Who who drove you crazy? Oklahoma State. Mike Holder. I was like, I kind of figured that was going to be the answer. But those are some great stories he shared.
Dude, Holder's like the Darth Vader of college golf. And I mean that in like a great way. It's just like it, it, he kind of set the bar. And like you, I thought it was really cool asking coach like, look, you get a ton of talent. Who are some of the guys you really wanted but missed on it? Pretty much for the most part. It, it goes across all sports. Like what Texas wants what is what Texas gets typically, right? Like they, they land dudes. But like going back to the Hunter Mayhem, thought I had him, the Casey Wittenberg story and things like that, man. It's just, uh, I mean, this goes to show you how good – coach holder was to build what he did but john fields man like as a tcu guy you're kind of and Colt, probably you for smu too you know a little different with you growing up in texas and being a texas fan but like you kind of just taught to not like like you hate texas like period like you know what i mean they are pretty much the the big program in the state but like then you get to know coach fields you're like i can't all right i hate him for everything else but not for golf because he's just such a class dude man like he's such a good guy and he runs such a good program and by the way like Almost everyone that's come through that program is, is a like a great kid, like a kid you'd want to be friends with. You know what I mean? I got tons of friends from UT, and there's very few that slip through the cracks. And like, ah, I don't really like that guy. He just seems to recruit the right type of kid, too. Yeah, he's had a lot of talent down there. And shout out Cody Gribble for all he's done yeah. for the program down there. I had no idea about that. But really cool. But best of luck to Coach Field, University of Texas, on hosting NCAAs out, at, out in San Diego. Um Go check out the foundation, see if you can help in any way to get that thing going. But they're doing a lot of great work out there. And their facility down there in Texas, I mean, all, pretty much if you want to recruit the top dogs nowadays, you got to have a sick facility. They've got one of the best in the in the country down there in Austin. I also have a short course called the Speed 40, by the way. I guess Jordan decided How to build a golf that? course for him. No big deal. But um, <laughs> this is one thing I think we're going to start doing a little bit. Talking to some of the college coaches, a lot of fun to, to hear about recruiting, you know, who they missed out on, you know, who they thought was going to be a stud, who might not have turned out. But I know we're set up to go down to Arizona State and their incredible new facility down at Papago. Sit down with Coach Matt Thurman here in a few weeks. But I'm looking forward to this. I like seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff um, with this college athletics, especially with this NIL and everything that's going on. Yeah, and especially with guys like Fields and Thurman who have coached so many great players and do such a good job even, like, current day, man. Like, it's cool to hear some of the guys that, you know – Maybe they brought on a kid that won that big of a recruit. Now he's on the PGA Tour. Just getting a little behind-the-scenes look. And Coach Fields, I mean, how lucky was he to, to land Lump, to get paired in that tournament with the great Lumpy. Lump. Lump in college, dude. I would – I mean, Lump now is a 10. I just played with his son, Carson, a few weeks ago, and Lump's got a little banged-up wing right now. So he's in this big-ass cast, and he came out and just had a few pops, ran around. The, I was like, dude, like just hanging out with Lump is the best. But young Lumpy would have been um, a sight to behold because I don't think he doesn't hit the brakes too much. Excuse me, Mr. Heron, you can't smoke on the golf course. It's against NCAA rules. Okay, perfect. I'll just walk out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not on I'm – on, I'm in this dude's backyard. So yeah. what do you want to do? Fine. And then coach yeah. is like, yeah, you got to tell him to stop smoking. I'm like, what would you do? I told him to stop smoking. Okay, yeah. I did it. Check perfect. the box. Yeah, lump, just keep being lump. All right, well, since we're doing this Sunday night because I got to get up so damn early and fly down to the Latin American Amateur – uh, we don't have any gambling picks for the golf this, this week, but we'll get them to you later this week. Um, so sorry about that, but we'll make sure. We'll give you some winners. Russell Jez Reevy has been playing really good here at The Rock lately. I don't know if we mentioned that, but look out for him. All right. Well, you don't have to look out for the Dallas Cowboys because they got shit to do the rest of the year. Their season is over. Another disappointing one. Um, mm. Kind of ruined my Sunday, but always fun to spend a little time here with you and all of y'all. But thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you on next week's Subpar. <laughs>